This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I am so thrilled that you've joined us today. Can you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Well, what an incredible time of the year we are in. We are what is described by many as Lent season. It is a season of the preparation of the heart as we're leading up to the watershed moment of redemptive history as we lead up to our reflection and celebration of the death, burial, resurrection, ultimate triumph of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Once again, we're approaching Easter season where you and I, along with believers the world over, will be able to say to each other, he is risen, he is risen indeed. But here's my question for you, for me today. How do you know you're not wrong? When it comes to faith in Jesus, how do you know you're not wrong? That's the question of the day. We have it on our social media sites. And I also want to hear from you today at 877-LIVE-675. That's 877-548-3675. I recently was reading an article that evoked this question, and it was so provocative to me that I said, I think this would be a great topic for us to take up on equip. So with all the religious options that are out there, all the worldview options that are out there today from atheism to pantheism, obviously theism, there's so many different religious and worldview options out there. How do those of us who have chosen Christianity, how do we know that we're not wrong? I think it's incumbent upon us to be able to answer that question, both for our own heart, but also because ours is an evangelistic faith. Not every faith is, but ours is an evangelistic faith that encourages us to commend faith in Christ to others. And if we are in the business of doing that, if we are committed to knowing Christ and making him known, which I pray that you are, then how do we know that we're not wrong? The phone number, 877-548-3675. Again, 877-LIVE-675. I want to hear from you. If uh, you are a Christian, a follower of Christ, I'd love to hear from you. And then if you're not a Christian, maybe you say, I don't believe that Christianity is the way. I'd love to hear from you as well. How did you land at that? Because I think, this is a question that every worldview has to answer, not just a Christian worldview, though I recognize that's the primary uh, predominant reality of my audience. Uh, I think even atheists have to answer the question, how do you know you're not wrong? Certainly the Muslim, the Buddhist, the Hindu, all have to answer this question. Today we want to take it up with Robin Schumacher. Robin is 
an accomplished software executive, but he's also a Christian apologist. He's written many articles and uh, co-authored and contributed to uh, several books as well. He uh, is a writer for the Christian Post. You can read him there. That's where I often encounter uh, Robin's works. He's also uh, written a book called A Confident Faith, Winning People to Christ with the Apologetics of the Apostle Paul. Robin, how are you today? Hey, Chris, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for uh, joining today. Well, this is an interesting article. I'll, I'll help to set up the background, then you can fill in some of the details. I covered this on uh, my program a couple months ago. Ian Hersi Ali, which is a Somalian-born writer and activist. She was a former politician in the UK. She um, uh, was a former Muslim. Uh, born into a Muslim country, Muslim family, later on for a number of reasons that she has uh, gone on record and is well-documented. She denounced the Muslim faith and uh, became a prominent atheist. Well, uh, she recently uh, shared her conversion to Christianity. And uh, that's where it gets kind of interesting because there's been a lot of responses not the least of which have come from uh, those who counted her a friend in the atheist community. Why don't you talk a little bit about that and what uh, was the background to your article on Monday, February 19th, entitled, How Do You Know You're Not Wrong? Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> when I saw her faith journey, um, I think it's representative of, of what a lot of people go through. And then really what what kind of, um, I don't want to say interested me the most or whatever, were reading the comments, like you said, about some of her former atheist compadres, in particular Richard Dawkins, who, you know, as a Christian, I don't agree with uh, Richard Dawkins often. But I have to say, when I was reading his comments about her conversion, his thoughts about it, he had some some things to say that were just simply not wrong, where he was questioning her motivations. Were they clouding her judgment in terms of thinking through the Christian faith, logically, rationally, things like that? And and she was arriving at her conclusions based on motivations that were outside the intellect. And, um, and then he yeah. just simply made the comment that, you know, <clears throat> what matters most about religion isn't those type of things, political, um, any, any kind of internal desire that you have. What matters is whether it's true. And he's not wrong. You know, it's interesting because when you read uh, Richard Dawkins, again, probably the world's most noted and uh, famous, popular atheist of our generation. He, here's what his criticism is of uh, his friend. He counts Ian Hersi Ali as a friend, even though he would disagree with her religious conversion to Christianity. But here's what he says. He says, for her, what really matters is the morality, the politics, actually. I think for her, Christianity is a bastion against something worse. For her, I think she wants a faith which will help people to stand up against worse faiths. Now, in reading her comments, I will tell you uh, her articles and her conversion does seem to align with what he is saying, uh, that she is certainly concerned about the threat to Western culture 
that both uh, Islam, radical Islam, as well as atheism poses to destroying Western culture. What I, what I didn't hear as much of in her writing, and I admit I have not followed everything she said about a conversion, so it certainly may be my deficiency and in, in not her inadequacy of faith, but I didn't hear a whole lot of uh, centering her faith on um, on the lordship of Jesus Christ, coming to a full, robust understanding of her sin before a holy God, her need for repentance, and uh, Christ being the only source for salvation. It does seem to be that he's making an argument that's legit because he goes on to say that's the wrong way to approach religion. What really matters about religion is whether it's true. So before we get to the uh, veracity question, what do you think about this whole argument that it's okay to follow a faith because of its morality and its political power? Yeah, you see that argument being made in a number of places. But in in my way of thinking, you know, when I was listening to your comments here, and also when I when I read his uh, initially, it made me think back to Sigmund Freud and and uh, work that he wrote, uh, Future of, of an Illusion, where he talks about religion in this way, and he likens it to having a wish, what he called a wish fulfillment factor. Right, you, you're believing something because you have this strong desire for wanting whatever its declarations to be true, and it it and and again, those are kind of pushing aside any kind of true investigative thoughts you may be going through to make that happen. It's it's mm. because you have this great wish you want that to be accurate. Of course, you know. Dr. Freud never thought about his that sword that he's wielding having a, a secondary edge where yeah. maybe <laughs> he's got a wish about not wanting to have life after death and Absolutely. facing a holy God and judgment and <laughs> things like that, you know, yeah. but 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 that's what it made me think about. Yeah, and, and certainly you turn the tables in your article on Dawkins and atheists to say, Let's wait a minute. Let's pause for just a moment, pump the brakes a little bit. You have to also confront this question as well. Before it's all said and done today, you're going to present us with a framework that's been helpful for you. It is one framework, and obviously there's multiple ways to approach the question. But today I thought it was important for us to ask the question, how do you know you're not wrong as it pertains to your faith in Christ? I'm going to go to Chris, who's listening in Ohio. Hey, Chris, thank you so much for calling, for listening to Equip. What's your comment today? Yeah, my comment is, uh, I really have to say, because I remember listening to songs and stuff back before I was a believer, and I remember feeling like a death feeling you know I, I just couldn't take it it was depressing and then when i finally you know became a believer and started reading the word and then i started loving the sounds of you know the truth and the and the music and and the sermons i started loving it and it was hitting my heart and then i found out in the bible it says that you know that'll happen dang it i hate doing <laughs> i was going to tears talking about it yeah well, you know what you're bringing up, Chris. It, you know it's 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 really helpful in 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 uh, articulating what many would say. And I love Robin for you to respond to this. I know that it's true because of the transformation 
that is happening in my life. I'm not the man I used to be. I'm not the woman I used to be, some would say. How do you respond to that? Yeah, so definitely the Bible says that the Spirit testifies within us that we're children of God. So there's no question about that. And it's it's absolutely one of the evidence that we carry within us. Now, people will argue and say the Mormon has the burning in the bosom and all of that type of thing, and they'll try to um, you know short-circuit that, that argument that way. But absolutely, it's true. And I think that this also touches on a very important aspect that I really didn't talk too much about in the article or whatever, but we have to remember that belief, real belief is a matter of the will, okay? And there is absolutely a spiritual side to this. The Bible talks about how we're dead spiritually. We were brought into this world that way, and we're natural enemies of God innately. And so we're going to not come to him <laughs> uh, in and of our own accord. We're going to need him to do a work in us to make that happen. So there's absolutely that aspect that that needs to happen before we can come to a saving faith in Christ. Yeah. Well, I, I think that uh, Chris's overall approach, here's what I love about it, is that we need to make sure that what's happening in our hearts is consistent with what the Bible says happens in life and in the heart of those who actually show genuine fruit of repentance and genuine change. And let me just say one last thing before we go to break about Ion Hersey Ali, even though her story simply acts within uh, Robin's article as a springboard to a broader and bigger conversation and uh, weighty question, I will say this, that in the short term, it may be tough to evaluate anyone's faith, anyone's conversion. How do we know that anyone has genuinely come to faith in Christ? But over time, the Bible tells us we'll know a tree by its fruit. It's actually, actually the litmus test of it all is that if we see the fruit of repentance, of uh, love towards Christ, uh, uh, submission and honoring of the word of God and an affirmation of the lordship of Jesus Christ, that he is coming to flesh and that he died for our sins and that salvation is found in him and him alone and that he has raised, that God has raised Christ from the dead, then we can have assurance of faith as the Bible affirms. We're going to take a break, but here's my question. How do you know that you're not wrong. Chris has chimed in. What about you? 877-548-3675. That's 877-548-3675. That's 877-LIVE-675. We'll take your calls. And uh, when we come back, I'm going to ask Robin to define a pretty big word. It's called epistemology. Have you heard of that word? What does that mean? And how does it apply to this conversation? Don't forget, check us out on social media as well, Facebook and Twitter. Answer the question of the day. We'd love to hear from you. Whatever you do, don't go anywhere. Much more to come next up on Equip with Chris Brooks.
Biblical friendships are vital if we're going to grow in Christ. These friendships support us when we're down, spur us on to follow Jesus, and teach us to love each other like our Savior loves us. I want to send you a resource to help you to grow your own biblical friendships. It's by Rebecca McLaughlin. The book is called No Greater Love. Request it when you support Equip today at 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. My guest today, Robin Schumacher, wants you to have a confident faith. And a confident faith includes being able to answer the question, how do you know you're not wrong? Folks are calling in uh, from different parts of the country to chime into this question. I think that's a great thing. Some are going on social media as well. The phone number to join the conversation is 877 888-648-3675. And while you're at the website, if Equip has been an encouragement and a blessing to your heart, can you consider supporting us today? Your generosity helps to spread the gospel in your community. And um, man, what a time it is for us as believers to lock hand in hand in unison and spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you, consider Supporting Equip with your most generous gift today. Go to our website, equipradio.org. That's equipradio.org. Before we go back to the phone lines, Robin, I uh, shared a, a, a pretty big word before we went to break. I'd love for you to define this word. What is epistemology and how does it pertain to our conversation today about how do you know that you're not wrong? Yeah, epistemology is a, a study of philosophy, and it basically, we boil it down, it's <clears throat> how we know and how we know that we know. That's really the the definition that I work off of, just me personally. Um, but of course, there's a lot more to it. And and when you look at epistemology, you, you see that it, there's a number of branches that go off that base, right, in terms of the avenues that we have to knowledge. And you'll see areas discussed like empiricism, where it's the senses and natural sciences, subjectivism, where it's your intuition, direct contact with things, rationalism through reason, of course, and then author- uh, authoritarianism, which is testimony. You know, we have written testimonies of, uh, you know, history and all of that type of thing. Um, and the cool thing is, Chris, when you look <clears throat> at those areas of, of epistemology, you find them all in scripture. They're, they're all there. So like subjectivism, you know, we, Paul talks in Romans two, that we have, we do things instinctively because we know the law, you know, rationalism, you find Paul reasoning with people from the scriptures to convince them of the truth of Christianity. You know, when empiricism, you find Christ appearing and seeing, you know, see my hands and feet, touch me. Okay. I'm, I'm here. Um, and then empiricism, you know, the Bible says the heavens are declaring the glory of God. So we can look at creation and know he's there. And of course, authoritarianism, testimony, right? You know, John yes. says, these things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. So all of those things uh, are contained within the Bible. Let, let me uh, ask earlier, uh, one of our callers called in with uh, the witness of personal testimony, which I think is powerful uh, that his life had been transformed. What are the pros and cons in our evangelism, our sharing of our faith, 
of appealing to our personal testimony mm-hmm. or the fact that our lives have been changed. What's the pro of that approach? What's the con or maybe risk of that? Yeah. So <clears throat> when you look at, at the Apostle Paul and you see how he went about his apologetics approach, one of his characteristics was he says, you see what kind of men we prove to be among you. Okay, we we are not like those you encounter outside. That we are different in the way that we dealt with you, that we loved you, and things like that. And so it's a, it's probably one of the most powerful witnesses apologetically that a Christian can have is that changed life that you mentioned. And and correctly you quoted, you know, you know the tree by the kind of fruit it bears. So no question that it's powerful. But at the same time. <clears throat> You've got to be a little careful about that personal testimony, because what if someone comes to you and says, hey, Chris, I got to talk to you. I can't tell you the difference the blue cheese goddess has made in my life. I mean, I'm so much (laughs) happier now. And because I'm worshiping the blue cheese goddess and all of that type of thing. What do you say to that person? Um, Hey, you know, that's great. But um, what kind of evidence do you have that there is such a thing as a blue cheese goddess? And you know that you're not wrong because... um, you know, some of these declarations in various religions or whatever, they can lead you down the wrong path. You know, that's so good. And I think also we're in a culture that is so hyper-individualistic, Robin, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, that any appeal to your own personal testimony can really unintentionally play into truth with a lowercase t. That I Mm. have my truth, you have your truth, that's great for you, Robin, and I got my truth, which is great for me, as if there isn't a such thing as a universal truth or the fact that Jesus is Lord. And so I think it's important for us to uh, make sure we avoid that, that we don't make that mistake either. <laughs> going to go to the phone yeah. lines at 877-548-3675. Got about a minute or so, but I wanted to uh, get Robin in, uh, Reba rather, Reba in Florida in on the program. Uh, Reba, only got a, a moment, but I would love to hear from you. How do you know you're not wrong, Reba? Absolutely not wrong. Do we all wake up every day and see the sunrise in the east and set in the west? Yes. Has that changed? Has that changed? No. Okay. Do we all see evening and morning every day? Yes. Has that changed? No. Okay. So do we plant a mango seed and get a coconut tree? <laughs> yes. Now, here's the thing. Let, let me ask this question, because I think I, okay. I, I, hear, I hear where you're going, Reba. But but yeah. couldn't couldn't the scientists say that that all of those are simply natural right. laws? Those things you okay. attribute right. to God. Okay. Do we not all die? Yes. Okay. Who said that? Who said that we would surely die if we ate from the tree of knowledge, good and evil? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Who said that? scientists cannot stop themselves from dying. The the whole earth is dying. All the animals die, the plants die, everything dies because of what 
happened when Adam ate from the tree of knowledge yeah. of good and yeah. evil. Yeah, here's what I that, love about what as sure, what as sure as sure as there is death. Yes. Right. That, yes. That takes the that takes the that the, that takes our destiny out of our own hands and yeah. out of the hands of what scientists would like to propose. Yeah, I lo- here's what I love about what Reba is doing. And Reba, thank you so much for your call. And I love to hear you respond to this uh, before our break, Robin. What Reba is basically saying is that the world is functioning just as it should if the Bible is true. If what the Bible says is true, that should be able to be measured empirically. And we can. She uses one example, and that is death because of the fall and the sin of humanity, in particular Adam's sin in the garden. What's your response to that uh, that line of thinking that the world, we know it's true because the world is functioning just as it should if the Bible was true? Sure. So there's absolutely an argument in terms of how can we trust our senses? How can we trust anything? If everything's time plus matter plus chance, how do you even know the thoughts you know I'm thinking right now are accurate? Um, and so a lot of apologists will take that and begin to run with it and, and talk about how there is a fixed way of the universe operating. And it goes completely contrary, again, to uh, dice being rolled and, and things happening randomly and all of that type of thing. So that's absolutely a good um, vein of thought. Yes. Um, but just yeah. looking at, at death in particular can also, can also convince you, I, I forget the guy's name, but there was a cardiac surgeon in, uh, in Canada who, uh, was an atheist and, um, didn't think much about it until he started watching his patients die in front of him. And he noticed that their last thoughts, their last words were really in keeping with what the Bible said. And it changed him. Well, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that science has its limitations. And I think what Reba did is not only make a good argument for the faith of Christianity, but to the limitations of science as well. When we come back, Robin's going to give us a framework that I think will be helpful. Don't go anywhere. Much more to come next up on Equip. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. What a great conversation we're having both on social media as well as through your calls here to Equip. Today, we're taking up the question, how do you know you're not wrong? It's an important question that all of us need to answer about our faith in Jesus Christ. Before we go back to our guests and to the phone lines, I do want to thank our partners for standing with us today. So thank you, Yolanda, from uh, Ohio. Thank you to Tasha from Tennessee. Thank you to Beverly from Ohio as well. Devin, first time supporter of the program from Tennessee. So Ohio and Tennessee have checked in to the program. I would love for you to call in wherever you are listening to Equip. And uh, in so many ways, your give helps to keep us on in your community. So if Equip has been an encouragement to you, can you call in with your gift today of $25 or $50 or $100 or more? We are in the last week of the month 
We are still about 60% away from our goal, which represents about $3,000 away from our budgeted goal for the month. Why is this important? I say this often. It's because we want to have a testimony of both spiritual impact and good financial stewardship. I think both are really important, obviously, for eternity and for the testimony of the faith. And so your generosity helps to make that happen. We're not underwritten by any corporate uh, backer. We're not underwritten by any governmental grant. And I think you should be happy about that because that allows us to remain true to the message of the gospel. We don't have to compromise because you support this program. So today, if you can help us to bridge that gap, that $3,000 gap, that would be huge. Your gift of any amount makes all the difference. Here's the number to call to support the program. It's 888-644-4144. That's 888-644-4144. Or if it's easier, go to equipradio.org. That's equipradio.org. Today, my guest is author, journalist, and also apologist, uh, Robin Schumacher. He's written a great book. It's called A Confident Faith winning people to Christ with the apologetics of the Apostle Paul. He's also recently written an article in the Christian Post, How Do You Know You're Not Wrong? Uh, We're going to take that question up in just a moment, but let's go to Mary, who's listening in Illinois. Hey, Mary, thank you so much for listening to Equip. What's your question today? Hi. I wanted to thank you for your program. I really uh, enjoy it. I am a believer, and actually the title of the article, it uh, kind of sums up what I'm struggling with. I want to know that I know that I know. And I've been doing a lot of reading and um, still struggling with the, uh, you know, the hardship of feeling like I can 100% depend on the Bible. Hmm. Well, first off, obviously, uh, I'm grateful for your faith in Christ, and I'm so grateful for you calling and for you listening. There's a lot of uh, responses I can give. I, I certainly would say that I, the Bible has proven to be a trustworthy source of not only history but knowledge of the faith. I certainly understand why uh, you would bring up uh, concerns because those uh, concerns have been levied against the Bible pretty much from the very beginning. But the Bible should, stood the test of time. And so I would encourage you not to be quick to give up on your faith in Scripture. Uh, it has been uh, the one book that has stood the test of time in spite of the many um, investigations, accusations into its credibility. It's uh, only proven to be more and more faithful and reliable. But with that being said, you have to ask the question of any book you read subsequent to that, what's the basis for my confidence in that book? There's a lot of resources that are out there, and uh, we commend resources every day uh, to you that, um, that, that I think would be helpful. And I'll make sure that our producer uh, passes along to you um, uh, great book, uh, a list of great books that I think will be helpful. Uh, but I say that the basis for our faith in Christ, Mary, 
has to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That if Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, that means that he is who he claimed to be. That Jesus is actually Lord of all. Now, what scripture does well is invite us into not a fantasy land that cannot be investigated, but if you look in particular at the book of Luke, which I'm going to encourage you to read, two books in the Bible, the book of Luke in the Bible and 1 Corinthians in the Bible, in particular 1 Corinthians chapter 15. What the apostle Paul and what Luke, who was a medical physician, by the way, and a historian do, is they document in the same manner that any historian would have to document the reason for their belief. One of the things that Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is that the resurrected Jesus was seen by over 500 witnesses who, when he was writing his uh, letter, um, were many of which were still alive that day, and, uh, and he invited investigation into these things. Luke, the physician, the historian, says, I carefully compiled an account in order to be able to proclaim all that Jesus began to do and teach. So I would say slowly work your way through Luke's gospel, especially leading up to Easter, and through the book of 1 Corinthians. I would highly recommend those to you um, as you uh, investigate whether or not Christianity is true. Uh, Robin, anything you want to add to that? I think you're spot on. Um, Confucius is dead. Buddha's dead. Muhammad's dead. We know where their tombs are. There's only one empty tomb, and, and that's by design. And I think if you begin to look at the facts of the resurrection, you know, Jesus was murdered under Pontius Pilate. He was buried in Joseph Arimathea's tomb, that his body went missing, that there were reported, uh, you know, sightings of him, that the, the disciples were changed and went to their deaths proclaiming his, his resurrection. No scholar, whether they're Christian or non, disputes those facts. There is an argument in terms of how all that happened and, and the, the, the basis for that. But the facts are not in dispute. So I think you're spot on what you said. Yeah, um, you stay on the line, and uh, I want to make sure that our producer uh, gets you a copy of a book that I think will help you to even consider uh, deeper who Jesus is and why he is worth following. Let me pray for Mary. Father, thank you for Mary. Uh, Lord, I pray that she would continue to be drawn by your Holy Spirit. I pray that you make yourself known to her and I also pray, Lord, that you would enliven her faith, deepen her confidence in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Thank you, Mary, for giving us a call. Um, we uh, obviously want to get to the framework, uh, so give us a, a quick overview. Who is Edward John Carnell, and uh, what is his approach to uh, verifying or giving some validation test to how we know Christianity is true. Yeah. So, uh, Mr. Carnell is a guy much smarter than me. I always try to read people smarter than me <laughs> so I can, <laughs> I can gain some education. You know, uh, Carnell, actually, I don't know if your, your listeners are familiar with one of the most uh, popular apologists today, uh, William Lane Craig, who, uh, 
heads up a, a ministry called Reasonable Faith, um, very strong debater of unbelievers and has written a lot of work. Um, he was inspired actually by Carnell. So uh, when, when William Lane Craig was not a Christian, he picked up Carnell's book and found um, quite a bit of information that helped really sharpen his thinking. But in any event, Carnell, uh, smart guy, a couple PhDs, theology, philosophy or whatever. And he began to really think about this whole idea of, okay, Christianity, wonderful, but how do we really know it's, it's correct? What, what kind of litmus tests can we use to really determine its veracity? And he came up with a, a framework that I think um, makes makes good sense. It's not perfect, and if you read critiques of it, you know people will poke holes in it a little bit. But basically, he's asking three. He's got three different types of tests: logical consistency, which is the first one; empirical adequacy, second one; and existential relevancy is the third one. Um, and so, these things are what he steps through to try to take any belief system, and then again. A, apply those principles and see if, if we can come out on the other end and say, yes, it's correct. Um, so those are the three just in short. And if you want to dive into each one of those, yeah, you know, let, we can, let's, but just, that's a, let's, let's, let's just take Christianity through these three. Cause I think uh, those are great. So let's just start mm -hmm. with logical consistency. Can you make that argument for the Christian faith? Yeah. Uh, and so what you're looking at here is when, you, when you're talking about logic consist, logical consistencies, it, it's asking you to examine the teachings and see if they logically cohere, okay? Or is there conflict in, in some logical, rational ways? Now, the arguments that, that uh, non-theists will throw at, at Christianity is, well, there's errors in the Bible. There's contradictions in the Bible. And I'm not plugging the article, but I actually have an article that posted today on Christian Post that, that just poses the question, what if the Bible has errors? Um, now, to your listeners, I will tell you, I don't think there are errors. I am a believer in inerrancy. But anyway, I take that question head on, and it, it's posted today at Christian Post. But in any event, people will say there's contradictions or whatever. You have to understand, when you're looking at the Bible, there are primary details, secondary details, and, and you run it at that way. You're never going to find a place in Scripture that says Jesus is the Son of God, and another place he says he's not the Son of God. Not a place where he said he rose from the dead, and another place he said he's still dead. Uh, one place that says, you know, you're, you're saved by grace. Another place that says you got to earn your way to, to, to heaven. It, you know, there which, which are is no actually, consistencies. Which is actually pretty amazing when you consider the Bible is written over 1,500 years, three different languages. Um, I, I think over 40 authors, uh, contributors, obviously superintended by the Holy Spirit. But that's pretty incredible to have logic, logical consistency with that type of format, isn't it? Oh, my gosh, absolutely. Uh, all those authors and, and what have you. Now, I will say also, when people will come at the Bible and they'll say, we, you know, no book can be inerrant. And I'm like, well, can a phone book be absolutely correct? Can its information be 100% correct? Let's let's not try and say that it's it's radically crazy to have a book that can be accurate. But you're right in terms of written all over that period of time, all different authors, backgrounds, et cetera. Yeah, it's... it's uh, Almost miraculous, you might say. So yeah, uh, that's the first I, point. Yeah. So I, I want to just appeal to that that the Bible is logically consistent, interior to itself. But I would also say the Bible is the best explanation for the way our world uh, works. And uh, and I think that it is uh, it was Reba who earlier brought that up that 
if the Bible is true, the world is unfolding the way that we would expect. Uh, that uh, universe has a beginning. Obviously, that was confirmed by science around Albert Einstein's time, that the universe has a beginning, that the fall, there's something broken about the world, and we see uh, the effects of sin in the world in so many ways, including death. Uh, But also, we see that there is redemption in the world, that there is something that our hearts yearn for beyond just this world, and that is uh, heaven and uh, the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We're going to delve deeper into empirical adequacy. Can can Christianity stand up against that aspect of this test? I hope this is helpful for you. How do you know you're not wrong? Well, I believe that's an important question. That's why we're going to take it up right after this break. Next up on Equip. If you're talking about a hot topic at home, at work, and with friends, then we want to talk about it too. In fact, every day on Equip, we're talking about current issues and how faith intersects with life. Today, I'm inviting you to become an equipper. In this role, you'll give a monthly donation to support the ministry of Equipped. And as an equipper, I'll send you regular emails that contain brief pastoral messages prepared just for you. Become an equipper right now by calling 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. I want to say thank you to Andrea from Alabama who just shared with Equip generosity to help us keep going, and I'm grateful for you, Andrea. Thank you so much for your generosity to the program. You know, earlier I said we we're about three thousand dollars away from our goal, and I recognize that for some, that may feel like man, that's so far away. And one of the mistakes or misnomers as it pertains to generosity, I know I've made this mistake often, is to think, well, if I don't have it all, then that means I shouldn't contribute at all. But you know, God only holds us responsible for our part, just being as faithful as we can. And it's what we do together that ultimately matters. None of us can do the entire work of God by ourselves as it pertains to his redemptive plan, but we each do our part. And I like to think about that in terms of generosity as well. So yeah, maybe you you are a person who through one gift can help to close that gap, but maybe you don't have those resources. You wish you did, but you don't, but you can be a part. You can help to be a part. So the best you can do is all God asks. So call today. 888-644-4144. All right, we're working through this litmus test. We've got a few moments left. What about empirical adequacy? Sure. So what you're looking at here is whether the, again, the declarations of the belief system, can we verify them, you know, outside of, you know, the the written arguments they make? Is there empirical evidence to support this type of thing? And and are they intellectually valid? You'd be surprised at some of the claims that some of these, some of the belief systems make, such as, you know, evil doesn't exist or we're really not here or things along those lines. But um, when you begin looking at what, again, scripture says, the Bible says in terms of um, creation itself, God, etc., you find a lot of the, a lot of validation that, that go to answering even the most 
basic, the fundamental questions that, that philosophy poses, like, uh, you know, why do we have something rather than nothing at all? You know, why are you here? Why am I here? Um, you know, is it because we're in a matrix, like, you know, the movie, The Matrix? Well, it doesn't make a lot of sense. You've got to have a reality behind the reality. Is it what Stephen Hawking said, where the universe creates itself? Well, that doesn't make sense either, because you can't be ontologically prior to yourself. So it doesn't work. Is the universe eternal? No, every drop of evidence we have says the universe had a beginning. Yeah. And then you're left with option four, a, a supernatural creator that brought everything into existence. And we have a lot of good reason to believe that. So that's what empirical that's adequacy good. covers. All right. And this last one, I think it's pretty evident, but you unpack it for us. Existential relevancy. Yeah. So again, going back to our blue cheese goddess. Okay. How does that blue cheese goddess help you with your origin? where you came from, you know, uh, your morality. There are more pronouncements this, this goddess is making to help you live. What about meaning in your life? And of course, life after death, you know, destiny. You know, what, do you, what do you do with something like that? Um, and so that's really what the existential, is. Does it, does it really matter? And again, when you're looking at other explanations, you know, time plus matter plus chance or whatever, I always ask the question to the folks, you know, if, if, if you can't give what you don't have, right, how am I supposed to believe that some kind of an impersonal, amoral, meaningless, purposeless universe accidentally created us, personal moral beings who are obsessed with meaning and purpose? It just doesn't mm -hmm. jive. Well, you've been helpful, brother, in giving us a framework, and again, one that has helped not only you, but helped many along the way of testing not only the Christian faith, but all truth claims. And so I appreciate your article. I appreciate the work that you're doing over at the Christian Post. Check out uh, today's article as well. You can find out more about Robin at our website, equipradio.org. That's equipradio.org. Just simply click on the program details. Also, would love for you to share in the conversation on social media as well. Uh, Robin, I know life is busy, brother. Thank you for stopping by. It was a joy to talk to you. Hey, Chris. Thank you very much for having me. Friends, uh, this is an important conversation, not just for uh, the testing of someone else's faith like Ayan Hirsi Ali, but even more important that we answer the question, how do we know that our faith is true? Well, I believe that Scripture is time-tested and proven, and that if tr Scripture is true, what can be verified is that Jesus Christ is who he says he was, that he is Lord of all, and that is proven most clearly and evidently by his death, his burial, his resurrection, which we celebrate not only on Easter, but every day of our lives. So I want to encourage you, put your faith and trust in Christ. And if today you need a relationship with, with him, if you want to come to Christ for the first time or come back again, dial this number, 888-NEED-HIM. That's 888-NEED-HIM. Well, until we're together again next time, as always, remember, Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.